this is a family matter The casualties after the intergalactic battles This little child slept through If life is a story, then mine is a saga And we'll ride it long enough if they let you This is a family matter The casualties after the intergalactic battles This little child slept through If life is a story, then mine is a saga And we'll ride it long enough if they let you And we'll ride it long enough if they let you And we'll ride it long enough if they let you Welcome back to Brian K. Pod, the internet's only podcast about comic book author extraordinaire Brian K. Vaughn that does an issue-by-issue breakdown of a series with artist Fiona Staples, Saga, hosted by myself, Spencer. And me, Logan. That's right. Catch all those addendums? That's like, <laughs> it's, we are the only one that does all those many things. Um, welcome to the show. Uh, if you uh, caught us last week on our special episode, um, what we do here is we try to break down every issue of Saga, one podcast episode at a time. So one issue of the comic, one issue, one episode of the podcast. Um, but we're doing it in chronological order and taking breaks at the graphic novel breaks. So last week we did a special episode about Brian K. Vaughn's um, uh, internet series, a collected edition for me, um, uh, Private Eye. So we did one totally separate uh, kind of, uh, I would say palate cleanser, but man, you can't get your palate cleanser saga. It's just too good. Um, but just sort of a uh, breather uh, in between uh, storylines. Um, check that episode out if you if you are joining here for the first time or you've skipped it because you're just reading Saga. Uh, really still want to recommend going to instocktrade.com uh, and getting that $50 edition of Private Eye for $17 and change, Logan. I checked before we got on because I wanted to tell people again to get it because it's so cheap and it's such a good edition despite its width being too wide. But, you know... <laughs> Something that could be somebody's thing. And if you if you are a digital reader, like the the panel panel syndicate.com is very much still active and you can download it DRM free. Um I don't know the price, but it is significantly cheaper than fifty (laughs) dollars. It you know, if that's your only option. So no, absolutely. And so now, but this week we're here, um, Logan and I are here to talk about uh, Saga again. We're getting into issue seven. Um, so spoilers for essentially the first six issues, first graphic novel collection. Um, I think we're about halfway through my big collection, maybe a third through the big blue hardback I've got. Um, I definitely, I'm going to say a third because I definitely jumped ahead. I opened the book up thinking I'd be about where we were and saw a magnificent spoiler. Um, and so, uh, and then had to flip back many pages. So I'd say we're about a third way through the big blue book, um, and uh, we're going to jump in just talking about the whole issue and spoilers and all that stuff, except for the future spoilers that I spoiled myself, but a certain character's not dead, and I'm a little surprised. That's all I got to say. <laughs> um, okay, so Logan, uh, we're in issue seven. It's a whole new storyline. I thought when we started this, this was going to be like one of those episodes of TV where they take a whole hour to give you the backstory of something, um, yep. because we start with... Um, Marco as a kid uh, on his home planet. Um, what did you think of our flashback? I, I think it does an excellent job of setting up who his parents are and kind of what that whole situation is about. Because when we left the story, his parents show up on their rocket ship treehouse and, uh, uh well, you think they kill their babysitter and 
like just go nuts, you know, trying yeah. to. They think Mark has been captured, and this kind of sets up why. It also does uh, a good job of giving us a perspective of uh, their race and how they view uh, this conflict, you know, uh, and also setting up the story. So it kind of like it does this thing that you need to do at the start of a new collection is kind of set up the story so far. So, yeah, you you really uh nailed it there you've sort of provided not sort of you have directly provided some cool perspective for me thinking of on like in the issues when he's brought certain storylines and done the catch-up time um here I, I believe it was like issue four when i kind of was like i feel like he's doing a little bit of heavy lifting here and you sort of explain like you have the people who start hearing about the series and usually jump in around issue four and things like that and that's what kind of happens and he's a vaughn is aware of that structure and is writing to that structure and of, of the audience kind of joining in here that break after the first graphic novel or let's say i mean i have been the guy i'm doing that right now with the book that you recommended department of truth where you get the first graphic novel and then you might wait like three or four months maybe more to get the second volume um and then this is this is that moment to give you a refresher but here it worked really really well for me because what it's doing um is a it's a letting you know immediately hazel's giving our narration i should rewind for a second so it's sort of saying like excuse me while we do previously on but with the perspective of the parents and reminding you of like what the so it's telling you what's happened with the two planets and then the proxy wars of the future and things like that um but then it's showing you marco's parents who are brand new characters and their perspective on that it's such a cool way to do the previously on um that if this were like a um hbo show i wouldn't click skip ahead you know um, yes. like like it's it's new information i especially what i took from the whole thing that i didn't have before is that they are uh the parents uh of marco are kind of like um have an activist mentality the never forget mentality and they're like you know with their young kid like It'd be like if I showed my six-year-old, here is the dying earth. <laughs> you better recycle forever, except on a much, much more intense, massive scale. Like, that's who they are, very clearly. Um, what did you think of the choice to, like, show him all of this violence at this young age? I, it's, I mean, it's indoctrination. Like, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. But it's also, it, it's that thing where you know can you blame the parents because this is probably how they were indoctrinated to the cause um and and this idea that like using magic and like she sheds her own blood into the soil and basically uh, we get a flashback within a flashback because she she says something to the effect of like uh like the soil remembers the people that died here and yeah. that's what we're seeing is th this massive war that was fought on their homeland, which just sidestep. I don't think we have seen Fiona Staples work with um, yellow the way she has in this series of panels before. Holy shit. <laughs> is it beautiful? Yeah, like, it, it's violent as hell, but oh, my God, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's um I know I, I totally agree. It's um it's 
it's so stark. Yeah, I, I'm curious because we haven't seen flashbacks really like this. And so I would love to see if yellow is a thing that comes along with flashbacks in the future um, or if it's just, you know, specifically to this planet and that sort of thing, because the planet is uh, it's magical. And, you know, you think of magic and glowing and there's a lot of green and life and the yellow goes with the green. Um, there's so, so many things like what does it? Uh, mean I do also love sort of the big open splash where he's so bright and happy Marco looks so happy also with the great cover of like the bloody mark <laughs> it's such a good contrast of the bloody cover uh, and then you and then you've got this bright happy and yellow golden magic hour Marco moment and by the end of this flashback he's like he's a pissed off little dude yeah it's, it, pretty cool. it's yeah it's a great setup that kind of if you if you open this and started reading that you would think that like oh i'm going to get this like action-packed war book and then the rest of the book not so much not that it's bad it's fantastic but it does it does not uh lead to more action <laughs> right no, 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 absolutely. And I think that it's interesting too. the parents not saying anything. Um, I like the idea that because that because uh, Hazel speaks to that the parents don't say anything about don't provide commentary. It's the visuals enough, but it also makes them not preachers, but true believers, if that makes sense. The difference. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, interesting stuff there. Um, any other thoughts on the flashback before we jump into uh What's going on with the meeting of the in-laws? Um, I, it, if you don't remember, it does bring back the phrase, the evil fucks with wings, which was something that like he was muttering uh, when he kind of went Rambo on the dudes that jumped him. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that that was that's probably part of the indoctrination, and that that's their, uh, I guess, kind of slang for uh these people that they hate and aren't really sure why yeah no no absolutely absolutely i do love um so jumping ahead i do love when um i love their faces when right after marco said my wife especially the dad (laughs) yeah (laughs) she's so great with faces man like i I don't I, i don't know if i've ever paid more attention to the like looks on people's faces in a comic book than than I have here. Like it's always so perfect. I, I don't understand how she does it. No, it's 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 very again, it's not uh it's not because she's uh, making the beating the point to death. It's like it's very subtle work. It's it's good important minimal lines and it makes everything like she's so angry and like oh and he's like i've smelled something rotten <laughs> and it's, it's it's microaggressions right like the or micro expressions really that she captures that we notice in real life that are so impossible to get across like if you do it in film you have to exaggerate it because you're not going to catch it when you're watching a movie because everything's moving so fast and just her ability to draw those, uh, you know, and it's not photorealistic. Somebody like, like Alex Ross, who was basically a photorealistic painter with superheroes. Um, if you can be that 
like it's always this like stoic stark kind of thing and her stuff is rarely that it's very minimal and just i don't it's so damn perfect no absolutely absolutely i i I like the pairing and vaughn's got a great sense like they're they're together their partnership that's got such a great sense of humor at work because the in that panel the the um the line from Hazel is, I just wanted to make sure everyone was on the same page before this next part, but the same page and the parents being so disgruntled and clearly not on the same page is such a great <laughs> pairing. Um, yeah, and uh, Marco, like we see, so, so we saw a different side of him when he kind of went ape shit on those dudes, but when his parents show up, it's another different side of him. Like he's been so kind of, either like timid or ultra violent and this is very much the like my parents i keep having to prove myself to my parents kind of thing Mm -hmm. you know and he just like starts taking all the shit and he's like i gotta go i'll be back i gotta go get the babysitter god stupid parents Um, so I, I do like how we, we quickly find out something I asked in our last saga episode, um, is Isabel gone? You said, I don't think so. And, and we find out that she has been banished away. So not, not killed. Cause you, it makes perfect sense. You can't kill something that's already dead. Um, and, and so they, they have banished Isabel away, which is where Mark ultimately goes. Um, I did like that. I think it's funny the answer to the question of you can't kill something that's already done. Like she's the the mom's calling uh, Alana dumb, but she's also like I feel a little dumb. Yeah. <laughs> like that makes perfect sense. Oh, I <laughs> obviously you can't. I did want to ask you what you thought about. So we've seen Marco speak his language. I, I mm-hmm. guess is yeah. that's all it is, but. In the book, he specifically says, Mom, please use the rings. Uh, she doesn't know how to speak blue yet. Uh, and uh-huh. I feel I would love to ask him this one day. I definitely feel like this was like that was decided after the fact, you know, mm-hmm. like after reading volume one and going, oh, when he when he's in his language, it's blue. We're just going to call it blue. So I don't have to make up a name for the language. <laughs> I mean, I, I kind of like that. The the economy of storytelling. Yes. You know, like, I, I think that's great. And, and because one thing that is not bad, I don't want to, to each their own. And like, whatever, Lord of the Rings is pretty amazing mythology building. And like, there's, there's some really amazing fantasy, you know, dictionaries for series out there. But at some point, it's like, we got a lot going on. Let's just call it blue. <laughs> you know, I I like the I like the idea that the an elf language is elvish, you know, <laughs> rather than like something else, some other made up word. Like like I like the simplicity of that, um, and it also sort of speaks to the the medium itself because in elvish, like that's that's a great shorthand for it. it's just the language the elf people speak. They don't like they may have we have many different languages that humans speak, right? And and so we don't have necessarily. Well, never mind. I'm not going that direction. But but I think that it sort of translates that elvish idea of language naming to the medium with the color. But I honestly feel like what you're joking, like, I think he would be like, yeah, it's blue in the text and that's just easy. <laughs> and that's why not. 
Yeah, it, it made me laugh. I forgot that the language was called blue when he's like, she doesn't speak blue. I'm like, oh, that that's that's funny. <laughs> good job. <laughs> that's very, very good. Very good. And so, um, all right. So we do have a little bit of this. Um, right now we have to get the babysitter back and the sort of the, the parents have caused uh, a problem sort of like your, you know, like if we call it the drop by, like the, like if a family member drops by without calling first, basically, and you're in the middle of doing something or getting ready to go somewhere, that's what's happened. Right. And, and so we kind of have the fumbling, what were you going to say? And drop by and find out a whole bunch of stuff that they didn't know before. So you have to answer a lot of questions now. They caught you in the middle of your uh, your your social function, <laughs> and they're like, "Hey, I didn't know you were friends with so and so, and where are their pants?" Um, that's that's kind of the level of surprise here. Um, I do like that um, that Marco sort of says, you know, we find out that there's this big divide between the parents and Marco, and clearly when he says like, "You have no idea what I know," um, as he uses this helm. That um, that they That's think they should know how moment. to use. It's so such good. A, it, it's uh, it's um, what's his name at the end of the Breakfast Club? Like throwing his hand up on the the football field, you know, like fuck you, you don't know what I know. I can do this. Yes, and 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 then he just slashes in the air and um, and he says sorry about this. I shouldn't be long and goes. Um, and the mom chases after him. Um, and I love how she's like, he's clearly not thinking straight. And then her last glance at Alana, there's just so much shade between the mom and Alana. It's really good. I like all of that. Um, but it is so chaotic and it feels like we're trying to get out of here. What are you doing? You're messing up everything. We got to like, it's just so chaotic and fun. Honestly, there's like great energy in these panels. Um, and then, of course, um, the final panel, It's the, there's such good punchlines throughout this whole series so far, but so glad I got to do all this in the towel. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Um, it's definitely the like punchiest issue I think we've had so far. Like we've get we've gotten the little like snips back and forth, like them digging at each other. There's kind of romantic comedy-ish. But this very much is a you know, like meet the parents kind of thing. So Yeah, and I wonder too if there's some element of we've gotten through the first you know, collection, the first six issues, the first quote unquote storyline, which this this doesn't really assign itself to that as well as other series do, you know, do like like kind of like comic book series and stuff that have like it's the six issue trial of apocalypse or whatever. Um, and, and like this says, um, which is a made up thing. There should be a trial of apocalypse. Marvel, get on that. I will read that. Um, but only if you said it in the Law and Order SVU world, oh, man. because that sounds fun. <laughs> Have I got disappointing news for you? He does not exist anymore. Apocalypse? He is no longer on Earth. <laughs> oh. What? I don't even care. It doesn't matter. Last time he, I read X-Men, he was an X-Men. I don't even know. Yep. It is. It, it's so bizarre now. But that's a whole other podcast. I'm not starting. Um, so, um Gosh, I'm so off track. Oh, okay. So, um, so the first storyline's done, and I feel I wonder, and I don't know because we've got there's so much ahead of me to read and to learn. Um, but I do wonder if now we're sort of getting into the the rhythm where the story can kind of go wherever it wants to go, how it wants to go, because it's not setting foundation anymore. 
it's not laying track. It's like now the train is is riding, um, and this sort of feels like all right, we've done it and we're off to the races. If if I had gone four months or a year without reading it and picked up volume two, this would be an exciting continuation, um, and just the same as if I was picking up issue seven one month later it would be just an exciting rocket forward and i want i'm curious what the pace is going to be like um going on i'm sure it will have ebbs and flows but i do feel like now we're we're just going you know yeah and the book does a good job towards the end of even calling to that fact you know kind of saying space is vast and our kind of point was to get lost in it so I do feel like that that's Vaughn saying, like, if you think this is headed towards an ending, just because all of these people are now headed towards each other, it, it, it's not. Like, it, it's just not. Well, you know, that brings me to something I wanted to bring up um, that uh, I watched an hour-long interview with Fiona Staples last week, um, and one of the things that they spoke to that she spoke to which i had read some stuff with vaughn speaking to was the the planned duration of the series um and the the plan being to be as big and as broad and and ongoing as possible to essentially go through all of she says through it and, and when this was done probably if there's some contradiction to this the series like this is midway through where we're at in the series now um but she said to go through all of hazel's life um and and their goal is to take their time with it which is why you'll see them take breaks and we just we talked about how they just came back from a break um recently um but to really take their time with it and that when she signed up for the project that was the biggest consideration she had is would she be able to grow as an artist um, and uh, doing a series, but also would she be able to commit to doing it for more than a decade? I mean, like really, really long term um, and and to go for longer than she was even sure they would go. Um, and I thought that was an interesting commitment, both in that she wants to remain artistically um fresh as she works her way through and so far i mean her art is beautiful and i feel like her covers um i've looked ahead at some covers and stuff and they i really do feel like I'm just, i can see some evolution there but the idea that she was committed to being into it for so long before it even started it's pretty exciting it's pretty it, it, that she was as a creative excited by that i thought it was really interesting yeah um i still have not read the latest issue when when they came back but I, I am that's one of the things as we're going through I'm I'm excited to get there and see what has changed for her as an artist um because I mean it's perfect it's all so perfect it's hard to think that anything could be better but I mean as, as artists do I mean that's generally the life of an artist is you start off with talent but rough and you get really good and then you get better and better and better. And then, I mean, you can see it in older comic book artists. At some point, you take that decline. I don't think she's anywhere near there. She's not a 70-year-old person trying to still right. illustrate comics, a la Jack Kirby. But, you know, it. I'm definitely interested to see how that changes and how different it might be. 
No, I absolutely, absolutely. And I think that um, the the covers will be an interesting tell for me, but there's just to watch it, just to see, because uh, the idea that she wanted that challenge of finding new ways to do things. And, and it didn't sound like she meant even, you know, changing character design or something like, like that. It's more just just to see how she gets better and changes and is different uh, from issue one, which is beautiful to what it could be in the future. It's just very exciting stuff. But I did like the idea that the commitment on the front end was both in the scope of the story and the commitment to having to do the work consistently for a long period of time was like decade plus and an unknown quantity of issues that will track the entire uh, history of someone's life. And we are at this point, Three days in a weekend, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably somewhere in there. And so it's uh, it's very curious. I'm curious to see is there a time jump? Is there? Um, in, I'm just so curious about things like that that I don't know that you may know. So uh, we don't have to dwell on that. But I, I did like the idea of the scope of this thing. So we've spoken to that, but I didn't think about it in terms of her commitment, um, especially because she wasn't. Um, I'm trying to. Th- I don't even know who to compare it to, but she wasn't a very well-established artist who was working within all the different big um, companies on some major scale. She'd worked within the company, like she'd worked, but she wasn't like some household name. Yeah, this wasn't Jim Lee coming off the X-Men going like, I'm going to start Image Comics, (laughs) you know? Yes, yes. And so, um, so no, very, very fascinating career path and and move, but um, it does sound like and appear to be the the the, um the partnership was working (laughs) so uh good for her she seemed also really nice like i just really she's i liked her whole every like her essence she seemed like a really cool nice person um so back to the the episode to the episode of the podcast but the issue of the comic book um we have alana and marco's dad talking and he is concerned uh, about the baby. And uh, did you ever uh, read, how did you read his interaction with her? Is it ominous or is it a loving grandfather? I, I, I'd never read it as ominous, just more as like, I don't understand any of this. So uh, kind of like, I, it's getting, I don't want to get too touchy, but um, kind of like somebody, we live in the South, um, somebody from uh, an, a well-established family in the South coming home with a uh, wife or husband who was not white. <laughs> and, like, maybe they're not immediately, like, not okay with it, but they do not know how to talk about anything with any kind of subtlety. Because he's just like, is it okay? <laughs> or is it normal? Like what? What kind of question is that? <laughs> I I took it. Um, so it, we have gotten the feel. This is the first time these two um, these two races have have um, had a, a baby together that we know of. It sounds like they didn't even think it was possible from earlier issues. So I took it a little bit. Still southern, funnily enough, um, but a little bit like uh, Forrest Gump asking if his son is like him um like it's more of like i know there's potential for this to be uh not good for the baby like we don't know anything so is yeah. there is this is the and and so very like so i that isn't normal it, the hesitation made me not 
like it made me feel like maybe this guy is not being read by Alana very well. Um, and she's not picking up. I think as the issue goes on, we see more of that. Um, and I do have a memory now that, that we'll seeing a little bit more of this relationship, but, um, but in this moment, I was like, I see, I see where she's coming from. I get why she thinks this because of the war and the history and the barging in and the killing of Isabel or the banishing of Isabel. There's a lot of reasons why she would feel tense. Um, but I, as I'm reading it, I'm going like, I see how, I think you're misreading this. Yeah. And again, her Fiona Staples drawing her, pulling the gun and saying, she's fucking perfect. Now leave us alone. Like it, it's, it's such a small panel and such a perfect moment. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I do like the, um, the, we're starting to get some communication with the rocket ship. Um, Alana says, uh, basically, she says that I'll sick the the ship on you. Um, <laughs> it's seen me and, naked. <laughs> yes, we're close. Um, and so um, she says, "Make yourself at home." And then the tree responds and ties him up. Here's something I would say: is that this is like clearly some form of magic, right? Um, and there's something interesting there that she can speak to the tree. I don't know what that means. Um, and I understand there could be a potential, almost like an, an animal, like a horse or a dog, like the kind of relationship between her and the tree. It's a, it's a sentient thing. Um, but also, she doesn't say, tie him up in vines right now and pick him up in the air. She says, make yourself at home. And her intentions are clear because it wraps him up and puts him in the air. And to me, I feel like there's something about her ability to communicate with the magical that also is spoken to in her relationship with Marco. And I wonder where it, what else is behind that? I, I'm not saying she's got like, I'm not trying to go down the conspiracy rabbit hole, but I think that's interesting just to think about. Yeah, absolutely. So now we're on a big dusty old planet. That's had a bad day. looks like, <laughs> um, with Marco and his mom, um, what do you think about? Tell me about. Walk me through a little bit of this. Oh well, I so badly wanted to make the joke when we started. Like, I bet I know what your favorite splash page is. You know, it's such an <laughs> asshole yeah. thing to say. But... Yeah. Definitely thought. Well, we're gonna. This will come up in some fashion. <laughs> um, I've related to Marco so much uh, in his relationship with his mom right here, because my mom does this thing where sometimes I am the person who she thinks knows everything but then like things that i do know when i do know what i'm doing it's constantly like like i don't know it's not nitpicking it's just like well you don't know what you're doing let's ask somebody else let's do and i'm like i, I can do this leave me alone <laughs> like why did you follow me here and then i, I also felt for his mom like she's she hits him when he calls her like he says how could you be so stupid and she just smacks him hard and i'm like ah yeah man that wasn't the play you should not call your mom stupid <laughs> no no totally no no absolutely and and i i can actually see the familial resemblance for you <laughs> <laughs> um so I do like the mention of the freelancer um, coming to visit uh, her, his parents and them not knowing anything, which sets off alarm bells for them. Um, but we don't know for sure who this was. We think it was the will, but the, I've learned in this series already to not necessarily trust myself. Yeah, I was, 
I was going to ask you, do you, do you think it was the will? We, we clearly know it wasn't the stalk because she, she says, no, this was a, a male. But yep. do you think it's the will? Yeah. I think that's where it's leading you to believe, for sure. It, I, I definitely think because we only know him um, that that's who we're, we're led to believe. But I also go, no, other people are on this. Now I'm going to think it's a whole other person. It could be the will, though. The simplest answer is often the answer, so it could be the will. Um, but I think the story could be also getting uh, bigger and bigger, as we're about to see in a page or two. Um, and um, and so I don't know that, um, that that's – I don't know. I think it's a good misdirect if it's not the will. But not that I think because I think it's not that they're saying here's a new big bat. I think there's just so many things going on that we can't see in every issue. Yeah, I, I mean, always. He's, he's, we're playing checkers, he's playing chess, so. <laughs> yes. Um, so his parents have sold their house to be able to, uh, to, it sounds, I, I did, it, actually, let me know. I, it sounded like they sold their house so they could get this, this equipment so they could come find Marco. Is that how you read all of that? Yes. Okay, so, that's, I did is, too. That's where he says, how could you be so stupid, but. Yeah. But, uh, and and he's not seeing it for what it is. And of course they walked into a situation that they didn't know what it was either. But I, I mean, these were uh, not, you know, uber wealthy, but well-to-do people who sold off everything that they had because they thought their son was in mortal danger, which he is and came to find him. Like, mm-hmm. I, yeah, they, they walked into a situation they didn't know and did all the wrong things, but dude, like that's that's something, man. Like I know that's your childhood that they just, you know, let go of. But I mean, hell, they they thought you were in real real trouble, which he is. He just doesn't realize how much trouble he's in. So, I mean, pa- parents mortgage their houses for college and different things for their kids. I mean, you do anything you can, right? And so, I think this is our first uh, parental thing. Um, I, so, I so here's one um, uh, for my kid's school. I sold my car so that the tuition could could be paid um, because he's got some uh, very positive needs uh, uh, and and stuff, and um, we wanted to make sure that those were met educationally, and um, that we had to put him somewhere that was the cost us money and to order to pay for that. I had to sell my car. And one day he'll ask me why I sold the cool fast car. Cause I had a fast mode. You press a button and it goes fast. And, um, and, uh, he remembers that car and kind of wonders where it goes. Sometimes I don't tell him now, like Zach, I just told him I sold it, but you just do what you got to do. Right. And, and you don't hesitate. You just do it. And so it makes sense to me, their decision, but it also makes sense to me, his, um, headstrongness and, and unwillingness to see, the kindness there. Yeah. I, I will, so I will say as an adult, it does kind of help me like refocus and think about like, what were the sacrifices that my parents had to make when we were kids? Um, but it also not to, you know, speak too ill. It also makes me see uh, specifically one parent was unwilling to make sacrifices. Um it is and, the double-edged sort of adulthood where parents said, when you get older, you'll understand. And, like, sometimes you don't understand what they wanted you to. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, what? Like, I, I don't have kids, but I think that I would do whatever I had to do. Sell my car, sell my house, like, donate plasma every, like, other 
day or like you can do it what twice a week or something you I know? know i have a, I have a friend who used to do that i do know what you're talking about yeah you know is. and it i understand it's very painful but like if it means putting food on the table or sending them to the right school or like i think that i would just figure out a way to do it and then you, you look at them and go but like you wouldn't even go get a job <laughs> so yeah. you know yeah, no, I'm I'm right there with you. I I understand, and and so I, I do like this. There's so there's layers here, right? We can have this whole conversation about parenting and being an adult, looking at your parents, not understanding your parents, being headstrong, taking your biases from childhood into adulthood, your your lack of understanding, like all that's happening in just a matter of a couple pages. Um, I do like there. So to sort of move forward out of that uh, seriousness, there's this great, funny. It's a it's a good visual gag, in my opinion. Um, he says Alana is not a mistake, um, and then there's another uh, panel, and and Marcus seeing something over his shoulder, and the mom is saying, not looking his way. It's your offspring that's the real, and then it. So we know that Marco's seeing something, but the next panel is him tackling his mom. So it's almost as if he's tackling her for saying something bad about his baby. Yep. It's so funny. And then it's clear. Then there's like the big crack room and something has hit the ground and he promises his mom, she wants to see it. And he says, no, you don't. And we get the world's worst splash page of all time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is, it's the antithesis of, like the watchman right like we're gonna draw this giant blue dude with no pants on you know and it's gonna be glorious and you know of course people that are you know, have you know their fragile male e egos might not be able to handle the big blue penis but like this is a three-eyed i mean and it's not beyond morbidly obese i don't know what that is but it's a 40, giant trollish yeah 40 foot tall completely naked just oh man <laughs> so I, I so i read so one of the things in the interview and this is funny that i, I wanted to talk about it this week uh I'm sort of bringing this conversation up but this has been a great um issue for it especially with this page good lord i'm looking at it i gotta stop looking at it um is that um that she is not often uh fiona staples is not often given designs by um Brian K. Vaughn. He doesn't often say they need to look like X or Y. Um, they, she, he might say like like this. I do not know what he said for this, but the this kind of example she gave would have been something akin to big, giant, gross, naked thing might be all he said. <laughs> and then she gets to then go design that thing and draw that thing. Um, and one of the things that she said that has been really exciting, and he's, she was definitely past the, where we're at in the series as of that interview, um, was that as of that time, she had never been given any notes by Vaughn. She created something, and he always he's never given her notes to say, can you tweak that? Can you do change this a little bit that every time she designs a character um, or creates something like this um, that uh, he doesn't give notes. So I like to think that he, she designed this out of some vague, you know, general description and he just went nailed it. <laughs> I mean, if big naked gross thing was the description. Yes, she absolutely nailed it. Oh my God. Like I, I've read this issue four times and gone like so quickly over that page every single time because it makes my stomach turn. <laughs> it's 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 extremely effective. 
So, um, so yeah, so moving on from that, um, they're in trouble. Uh, we'll find out more about that maybe next issue, but doesn't come back to it this issue. Um, we get into Hazel narrating slash speechifying. I do love that the first three words of her narration are, we are small, based on the previous picture. Um, you get that <laughs> joke if you've read the issue. Um, and But the universe is not. And I do like this, the idea that, that the goal was like, hey, we can hide amongst the infinite universe. And that's how they hope to survive. Um, there is a great past tense. That's how my family hoped to survive the many diverse entities that wanted us dead or worse. Because again, we don't know who survived and we don't know where she's writing this from and how she's writing this. Um, and seeing I, Prince Robot in the stalk ship, man, that I still, like you called it out when we saw it, the design of the stalk ship is just freaking awesome. Yeah, I think the ships all the way around, both the or the three, the stock ship, the will ship. I really like. We see that on the beach, um, and then uh, with Lion Cat in the in the foreground, um, and then the the um, uh, the the tree ship. Um, it's just all three of those are just so cool and so different. Um, but we're getting this like narration of um, all this crazy stuffs happening during wartime. Um, uh, if we could just wait it all out, we would be okay. We're seeing, you know, we're, we're getting it. We're touching base with the will, which is interesting. He's clearly, um, let's just say, I like that he's got one shoe off. <laughs> um, but he's clearly reminiscing. Yes. And box is just marked personal. It's just so. like everything you need to know. Like you just need, like it's just that's all that it is that you need to know, um, and so um, so he's watching some videos of he and his uh, his departed ex. Um, I, so I, I want to ask you, did you notice how he was watching the videos? Camcorder like, with the red, yellow, it, and white. It's it's so great, man. It's very analog. <laughs> um, I love a future where we can't escape the eighties, like a little bit. <laughs> You this know? dude set up a camcorder with a tripod and everything. <laughs> like it's yeah, it's like eighties low budget pornography. <laughs> and the TV's even got like that brown. It's probably faux wood paneling yep. like around the side of it. So good. Um, I mean, so while yeah, he's so sitting in a chair that's just floating. <laughs> like it's just a floating, hovering chair. It's, it's a special chair, Logan. Um, it, it's interesting though to see. I like how he's also kicked Lion Cat out. If you've noticed, he's alone. <laughs> um, but his one page, and and here's the thing: uh, going an issue, we could have easily not seen him. We could have easily not seen Prince Robot. Um, so I think that what I'm getting the feel for is even while there might be other uh, people out there coming after them, these are still our main characters, and I think that can change. But it's an interesting thing to say, don't forget the threads that are going that are out there, um, because why else show them in this page in these pages, you know? Yeah. Um, and so it's a good reminder, especially if you've been like I, we were mentioning earlier, if you've taken a break and are coming back to it. Um, it's just a good reminder of who's out there. Um, but uh, then we, we get back to um, Alana and, and Marco's dad. And um, this great question of, uh, and I'll pose it to you, um, for all the royal automatons and deranged mercenaries out there, only one thing can really destroy a family. And we all know what that is, right? What is it, Logan? What do you think it is? What comes to your mind when you hear that? Um, 
really like families just destroy themselves like just more family <laughs> like in my experience that it's always just the like oh you know i can't get along with this part of my family or this part of my husband's family or my wife's family or it's it's kind of like a two negatives make a positive but in reverse if two positives made a negative <laughs> Yep, I know. I totally agree. I, I immediately thought family as well. I also thought lies um, is, is another one, but I don't know if that's yeah. probably personal. But that's uh, but but lies between family members. I mean, that's that's the thing, right? Yeah, like it still I, comes back to family, which, which actually does play into what we find out in the next few pages. I do. I keep bringing up Fiona's art, but I I know it has to be extremely difficult to draw someone eating mm-hmm. to draw someone eating and it look sexy has to be damn near impossible. <laughs> well, so what you're saying is you like it when a lot of eats. I mean, like she's really enjoying that piece of fruit and I, like, I, you know, I don't care what you think. I enjoyed looking at her eating that piece of fruit. So. Not, no shame here. No shame. Um, no, it's funny. It's it's. I like. I, I agree. I think it's a great panel. It's also like, it's a very strange uh, dynamic between. It's like a power move. Like she's she having. Still such hasn't an, put on clothes. <laughs> she hasn't put on clothes. She's she's in front of the tied up dad, and she's eating this fruit this way. She's just like, I'm in charge, sir. Like I am in charge, and it's that classic thing of just like at the the opening page where Marco looks peaceful and serene as a kid, and by the end of the story, his face is totally different. She's starting, uh, or Fiona is starting Alana in a in a pose and in a place that is so much different than she will be at the end of the issue in just a couple pages. And I think that's a really cool mirroring from the front uh, of the uh, episode to now. It, it, I love that she takes a shot at his uh, manhood, I guess. Which is like, uh, what are you wearing? Men's underwear underneath that snazzy skirt? <laughs> like, she's just, she just thinks she's in charge. Which, you know, she kind of was in the moment. For a moment, and then he has a secret. And we've learned from the past that we need uh, a secret to um, that nobody else knows to use magic. He has that to give. He tells Alana, and she—I love how she looks like she's about to take another bite in all her cockiness—and um, and says, "I have less than a month to live." And the the vines fade away, and um, we now know that Marco's dad is dying. Yeah, I mean, what a gut punch, man. And then it's like, what's, you know, Marco's going to come back. She now knows this thing. Secrets. Secrets are another thing. Secrets and lies in families, right? Um, is this going to, like, I'm just curious what seeds are being planted for strife between the family, both the couple and the the, the couples, you know? Um, because now everybody's got a secret on each half of this equation. There's just a lot of stuff that just got injected into the the, the sparks and the fireworks of this family's. Um, and on top of they're running for their, their lives. So it's, there's a lot there. And I think that no matter how things are heated, when you find out um, uh, that um, someone you someone who you like you you love that they're about to lose somebody, it's just everything just means so much. There's just so many things going on there. And it's a lot all at once. Um, but it's all in the service of getting him free and 
I love this sort of playing with, is he trouble or not? And he puts her to sleep. And her first thought is, don't hurt Hazel, you know? Yep. And and I like the narrative. What do you think? Because I feel like it's pretty obvious that, especially from the last page, um, where uh, he says that it's a beautiful name. Like, I feel like that's like a, it's very clearly he's not there to hurt her. Um he's just trying to get his grandkid and see his grandkid. Right. Um, and, and doesn't understand Alana, but is not there to harm his grandchild. Um, but how, what do you feel about sort of the playing with the expectations of the tension between her, him and Alana and what's really going going on? Like, what are your thoughts? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's more of kind of what has been seated already in the book. Um, but I'm, I'm with, I don't think I ever, even initially reading it, took it as anything too ominous, you know, that, uh, you know, even your, for lack of a better term, mixed race grandchild is still your grandchild. And so, uh, you might not understand how to approach the situation, but you know, you do want to be part of their life. And then immediately you had the mother just doing everything she could because of her preconceived notions to keep you out of that kid's life. So uh, it's a tough situation that he probably did the completely wrong thing, but now she also does have some dirt on him. So yeah, it's, it's such an interesting dynamic. What does it say about you and your family dynamic that you say that she's got dirt on him rather than to now she's aware that something <laughs> terrible is happening to him? That, that's fair. <laughs> you know, this is what people come to podcasts for, not just the analysis, but also the friendship analysis. <laughs> um so so yeah okay so he puts her to sleep he has hazel in his arms um we get that yellow light kind of coming creeping in the right corner it's the light from the tree but that yellow from the beginning is now back into the page um and uh, she is alana is knocked out like a baby on the floor hazel is knocked out as a baby in in her granddad's arms um and he says beautiful name and it's uh it's the end of our issue um what'd you think it's a great issue. It, it does so many things. Like it starts off so different from where it ends. And it's, it's just, it's a great introduction to these two characters. Like you get a good sense of who they are. Um, it does still play with the, the gender kind of norm thing where you think that uh, you think the, the dad or, the, or grandfather, whatever, uh, would be the one that rushed off to quote save his son but like the it was the mother that did and that you know she even says to marco like your dad is harmless like mm-hmm. like she discounts him completely you know and, and i just I, I love it you know I, there's not a bad issue of this series but yeah yeah you know very cool. So, okay. So every, every episode we do our favorite, um, panel and or page, um, what you got, I feel like I know where yours is going. I feel like we both gave ours away this week by talking more about them than others, but what is yours? <laughs> I mean, it would be super creepy to me to just be like, well, her eating the fruit, but, uh, that, that really isn't it. Um, honestly, well, that was my guess. I would have lost <laughs> my guess. That's good. 
Um, I love uh, Marco saying, you have no idea what I know. Like, that whole thing. Yeah. I, I just, I love it. it. It was my favorite part of the book. It's so brief, but so, like, I feel that in my soul, man. <laughs> yep, that makes sense to me. That I should have guessed that because that was the first one you focused on. I should have, I should have caught that. Um, okay, that's a good one. I like that. Mine, I'm going back to what I spent some time talking about, which is and uh, you, you, the microaggressions, um, the the look on the parents' faces uh, when he right after Marco says, "My wife," that that page, um, and the the narration of I just wanted to make sure everyone was on the same page before this next part. Thought that was really clever, um, but they're both just the angry and the sort of like confused look. Very, very good. Um, and so I, I like that panel a lot. But this is this is a book full of I mean, I almost picked just the the ship coming out of the portal, the the stock ship. Like I think that's such a cool panel. Um and and all the, the, the ship stuff is really good. I even really, really like the lion cat on the beach. So there's a lot of uh, runners up on and it's just it is it's a great book. You're absolutely right. Uh, it's just a great book. The final page, I'm surprised I didn't pick a splash page. Um, but um yeah, that's the one I'm going with. Is the is the funny, the angry and confused looks from his parents. <laughs> um, um, you brought up Lion Cat, so I learned in the letters page, which I feel like I should have known this as many times as I've read through. Uh, Lion Cat is a female, so I don't think we knew that. So, in, for future reference. <laughs> okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I um I did not know that, and I'll keep that in mind. Um. I think I sort of always think fictional cats are ladies. I don't know why. That's a weird bias to have. Yeah. Um, also, did you know that there was a retailer incentive copy of Saga Number One? No. Nope. So since, since you're now on your, how much does that cost? So he so this is issue seven. He notes in the letters column that like there was a retailer incentive copy only a few hundred produced and i saw one sell on ebay for seven hundred dollars good lord that's a lot of money would you like to know what the last copy sold on ebay graded now no, the graded, last graded so stupid 9.8 sold for five thousand dollars <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, I won't be getting that. <laughs> you can get a ungraded copy for less than $700, but they're still running about five or 600 bucks. <laughs> is it the white cover or is it a different cover? Oh, it's a totally different cover. Um, Screen cap that and send that to me. I'll be curious to see. So let's see. It, it's actually pretty effing great cover. So hold on. I'm sending it your way. Uh, that's what I took notice, like in the letters column, I was like, I don't remember this cover. I was like, oh, that's a retailer incentive. I should look that up. We should be approaching our next survey, our first survey. Did we do the uh, first survey last time? Um, well, we did it on, I think it was in issue two or three that he put out the first survey. Okay. Oh, wow. That is a cool cover. So, oh, man. If anybody's curious, you just go to eBay and type in Saga number one retailer and it'll bring it up. So um, that's awesome. I like that you have as many notifications on eBay as I do. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, cool. Um, 
All right, so we have got through issue number seven. Uh, next week will be issue number eight. Um, we are preparing for our next break as we get closer to Doctor Strange 2 in the Multiverse of Madness. So we already know we're doing um, Doctor Strange. It's the oath, right, is what it's called? Yes, with uh, uh, Marcus Martin, who did Private Eye. Um, they, they have a third collaboration, which I'm now interested to read, but I, I think it might be a while before I could talk you into it. Because it's a Walking Dead comic. <laughs> I've got it. You do. I picked okay. it up. I didn't know. I didn't know it was the same artist, but I picked it up because they had the hardback on InStockTrades.com. You should sponsor <laughs> our show. Um, super cheap, and so I picked it up. I got it. It's like a what is it called? It's like the Alien or something the alien, like that. Yeah, Alien. Yeah, yeah. I picked it up. I have it. I I saw it. Uh, they have it uh, digitally on the uh, the Panel Syndicate site, and I was like, oh, oh wait, what? No, it's, uh, it's the only Walking Dead thing I have anymore, but I've got it. And so, that show's coming to an end. So, I mean, look, that might be our... We'll just get through all the Marco work <laughs> yep. right at the front. Um, but yeah, so so look for a copy of The Oath, or if you have your single issues, pull those out, because uh, obviously we're going to be about, um, I guess, five issues from, from... Or five episodes from doing that, but we know what we're doing now, so might as well give you a heads up if you like that Private Eye episode. And if you haven't listened to it, do. It's a it's fun conversation. At least I enjoyed myself in it. Um, so anyway, so Logan, where can people find more of you speaking and doing things on the internet? Uh, Xlingfiles.com. Uh, we just finished talking about um, the Mandalorian spinoff, the Book of Boba Fett. <laughs> <laughs> um, with our good buddy, him who was a Jawa in the original Star Wars so uh, it was a lot of fun talking to him again it's been a while so go check very that out cool. very cool and uh, you can find me on Twitter at film dispenser like a Pez dispenser for movies if you have any questions about the show or things you want us to talk about feel free to uh, DM me there the one thing I will say is I'm trying to stay spoiler free on the book so try to uh, do that for me if you can in your questions um, but be happy to talk about those here on the show of course rate and review us anywhere uh, you are listening to us and subscribe um, and we would love for uh, for other people to find the show that way and that's going to help people find us and stuff like that but either way we're going to keep doing this because it's really fun unless you guys get Brian K. Vaughn and or Fiona Staples on this show at which point we'll shut it down forever because we will have achieved our goal right like we should just be done like yep. we can't stop <laughs> that um but anyway we have uh, uh this has been fun I've really I've told Logan off air uh how much I am enjoying talking about this book it is it is such a fantastic series um and I feel like we're getting to the point um I, I feel like after this next graphic novel collection I'm going to go full like uh, serial killer board of like, oh, I think this is going to happen. I think that's going to happen. And what about this? But like, I'm trying really hard not to do all that right now because it's just so early into the series and you know things. And so, um, but it's, I'm feeling it. And I like, I just really just want to sit down and read the whole series right now. But self control and restraint, I will get there. I'm looking forward when we get to the, uh, what would be the saga version of the later episodes of the office <laughs> where people are like, <laughs> yeah, I don't like, I don't like the direction Jim and Pam go in here. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> awesome. Well, great. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. And we will talk to you next week. And we'll ride it long enough if they let you This is a family matter The casualties after the intergalactic battles This little child slept through If life is a story, the mind